Uh, we uh, have been doing a series uh, the past several weekends called uh, Questions and Reflections, and we're just reflecting on different things and I'm talking through some different questions people have had. And one of the questions I have for you this morning before we get into that is, uh, did any of you ever do theater or... Or, I don't know, I did speech and debate, so uh, anything like that? Yeah, I never, the closest thing to theater I ever did was I played a 50s elf in a rock and Santa performance in elementary school. Slicked my hair back, rolled up my sleeve, showed off my guns. There's some things you can never unsee. <laughs> yeah. being one of them. Yeah. Well, one of the things is like when, you, when you're in a, a play or... It's just not even just plays, it's uh, sports, things like this. You, you do what they call a dress rehearsal, um, or in sports you do a practice. You, know, you don't just show up to the play and just do it. You dress up, you play the part, you make sure you know your lines and you know your role. And uh, same thing with sports, like you don't just like, show up to the game, you actually have to like, practice like you're playing the game before you show up for the, the big event. Um, and so a lot of things in life are about you know, preparing um, or getting ready to do something like a rehearsal. And I know you have some experience with this because you're a musician, and so what's been your rehearsal experience? I grew up playing orchestra in middle school and high school, and we'd always have, like, this time of the year, maybe some of your kids have their their cute band performances. Like, at the time, your student thinks it's, like, they are showing Bach off, and it's like, oh, that was really cute, Jimmy, that was great. But (laughs) we'd get together the day before in class, and we'd put on our concert black, kind of like this, and run through the uh, performance, and it sounded okay, and it sounded a little better the day of, but it was all about the preparing for the big event. Um, and he makes fun of me, but uh, I, I, the weeks I'm preaching solo, I actually come in here on Thursday afternoon and kind of run through the sermon and do a dry run, and the staff walks by, and they're like, he's lost his mind. He's talking to an empty room, right? And because I want to be able to prepare and, 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 and rehearse, so it's not the first thing coming out, but we don't do a dry run on these, so these just show us a little grace. We just kind of go with it. So especially the 11 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, right. Actually, I'm the opposite. I don't make fun of you. I'm still better than you because I don't do that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love you too, buddy. I'm a little Love bit more too. extemporaneous. Like, I did speech and debate in high school. So, like, you know, we, we did practice. I had a zero hour, so you'd go early. You'd practice where you would stand, where you hold your hands and all that stuff. But um, I've gotten so used to, I mean, you know, you just, when you, when you do that, you practice, you get ready for the, the big show yeah. much more quickly over time, too. Um, and so there's lots of things that we do to prepare for the big event. Um, several questions that people submitted to us kind of deal with the big event. Um, it's the big event, actually, and there are questions about heaven, like what happens after you die, um, questions like, um, do your pets, will your pets be with you in heaven, uh, will there be marriage in heaven, and, and what is heaven even going to be like, and um, you know, the, I mean, yes or maybe, no, and I don't know is kind of the answer to those questions. Real quick, that's it, amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, but, but as we were looking at these questions, I think kind of what, what struck us is that um, heaven, even though there's a lot of questions around it and it's talked about a lot, it's actually not the end goal for Christianity. Like we're not living this life. Like the, the purpose of faith is not actually so that you can get to heaven. Um, it's much bigger than that. Um, it's, it's not just uh, something that we have to suffer to get to that place. Um, the life we live is actually sort of a dress rehearsal for what's to come, which is not heaven. Heaven's like a 
bus stop, I guess, airport on the way to pit some stop. pit stop. Yeah, heaven, the, the promise that we have, the ultimate hope in Christ is not that you die and go to heaven. Otherwise, we should just all die, right? And go to heaven, let's do it. Um, it's, it's actually the promise of bodily, physical resurrection. Um, even Paul said the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so if our whole purpose of faith is just so that we can avoid hell and get to heaven, um, then that's kind of actually sad because at the end of it all, you're still dead. Um, uh, you're some disembodied spirit, I guess, but you're still dead. Um, but the promise that we have in Christ, the actual gift that we have in Scripture, is that you will live again, physically live again. But what does that mean for us now? Yeah. Um, and what that means for us now is that we are actually participants in or agents of the promise of new creation. The way we live now is a dress rehearsal for what is to come, which means we show parts of that new creation and how we are now. Yeah. And here, the, uh, you need to hear, if the scriptures are clear that those who die in Christ before his return, they're with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But their body is still here on the earth, and their spirit is with the Lord. But that's not the end story. The end story is when the body and soul are reunited, and we're all physically resurrected, just as Christ was resurrected from the dead. Mm -hmm. He was a foretaste of what was to come. But for a lot of us, it's hard for us to understand, because we kind of have a a short biblical narrative. We don't really think of the whole story. For many Christians, I know it was for me for a long time, was God created everything, was like the first part— Adam and Eve messed it up. We call it the fall. Jesus makes it better so I can go to heaven when I die, and that's it. And honestly, for a long time, that did not sound like good news to me because my idea of heaven was like, at best, fat baby angels floating around, like playing harps and singing music for eternity. Like anyone else, like, that sounds awesome. Like, not so much. Or it's just that, is it this chasm and I'm just floating? What is that even? But the scriptures show us it's no, it's this physical resurrection. So what I want to do for the next couple minutes is kind of give us the big biblical narrative arc. I'm going to throw a lot at you, so take a breath. <sighs> okay, good. You guys are going to be good. But it's important for us, actually all these questions, we've been hitting the biblical narrative because that's what shapes our view, our view as Christians is through the, the, the lens of the scriptures. Because the scriptures aren't just a handbook for how to live your life. Like here, figure it out. It's actually a story of God creating humanity and restoring humanity back to himself and it ends with this physical resurrection but we have to see how we get there so genesis 1 starts with god spoke and he created everything that god had this thing this image in his mind called earth and creation and humanity and he spoke it into existence real physical stuff if you read the first couple of verses, it's, and God said, and God said, and God said. And then finally, his, his crown of creation, he speaks, from, he blows into the dust of the earth of real physical stuff and creates Adam and Eve, the first humans. And he doesn't say just, hey, everything's done, just hang out with me. He says, no, now it's your job to take care of what I started. He's inviting Adam and Eve into this partnership. We were created to work. But now, we'll get to it on the other side of the fall, like work now, which was supposed to be awesome and God-glorifying, now brings struggle and toil into the human experience. 
But Adam and Eve, they're created. God speaks it all into to being. And, and there's two things I want you to remember in this story I'm telling you. That in the beginning, God, he created a garden. Say garden. It's literally say garden. garden. I hear like three people. One more time. Garden. There. And say river. River. There you go. There was a garden. There's a river at the center of this garden. Think about that. Just hold that there in your brain. And, and then Adam and Eve, we, if you've read the scriptures in three, that God says, hey, I've created everything. Trust me, don't eat from this tree. That's a whole nether sermon series we could talk about. But Adam and Eve, we think like, oh, they just ate of the fruit. Have you guys noticed the apple sign is actually a bitten apple, like Satan in technology, right? I don't know. Um, yeah, there you go. It's just, it's ironic that I'm using it to preach the scripture. So, um, is it, is it though? Is it ironic? No, go ahead. Keep going. Is it, uh, we, it was the fruit, the forbidden fruit, but we assume it's, I don't know why we think an apple, but they eat it and it wasn't just like, oh, oops. It was actually an act of high treason. Adam and Eve in that moment decided to def- redefine what was good and evil. They decided to say, God, I do not trust you. I am taking my life into my own hands. And because of that, they're cast out of the garden. And especially with children, like I've heard like, what would have happened if Adam and Eve didn't break or eat of the fruit? You would have. <laughs> because we do this all the time. We redefine what is good and evil. We are our natural inclination is to rebel against God and say, no, I want to do it my way. And then the rest of the Old Testament is God trying to restore his relationship with his creation, with his creatures. And we see this in a number of ways, but most clearly he comes to this man named Abram. Abram, and his name becomes what? Abraham. And God chooses this man, just chooses him by grace alone, and says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And what, what's the name of that nation? Israel. And Israel is chosen, not of anything they've done to deserve it, but basically God's saying, I'm going to choose real, physical human beings to bless and I'm going to bless them for the sake of the nations around them. These other God, these other nations are worshiping foreign or false gods. He says, no, I'm going to live in relationship with you and you're going to bless the nations by living in covenant with me. Well, how does that go? Not so well. The rest of the New Te- or the Old Testament is basically God trying to, to come back to his people and them rebelling and then repenting and there's this cycle over and over and over and over and, and finally things are just so bad, it's so dark. But all of this is really a dress rehearsal pointing to a coming one who is going to stand in Israel's place. In the New Testament, we are introduced, it's the Sunday school, say it out, Sunday school answer, who? Jesus, right? And Jesus comes onto the scene and he's actually the fulfillment of everything God has been doing up to that point. All of the Old Testament, all of the crazy scriptures, all of the covenant, God is faithful where Israel has been unfaithful. Jesus has fulfilled everything. Jesus says in Matthew 5, he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. That he is the culmination of this. He lives a perfect life. And he dies a sacrificial death. And he has a bodily resurrection. And Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians 15. That Paul says, if Christ be not raised from the grave, we are to be pitied among all men. If Christ be not raised, like this means nothing, go get brunch. That's the linchpin for the Christian faith, is the bodily resurrection of Christ. But it doesn't end there. Because in Matthew 28, Jesus, before he goes to be with the Father, he tells his disciples, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. 
teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you till the end of the age. We now are the church. We are the new Israel. We are the people God is choosing to use to bless the people around us, to glorify him. And then Revelation, the crazy book at the end of the scriptures, is this image, this, this, uh, this scene that John is given of, of, the, of when Christ returns. He makes all things new. In Gen- Revelation 21, the city of God comes down from heaven, the new Jerusalem to earth. It's not us going up, but God coming down to us. And in Gen- Revelation 22, guess what's at the center of that city? A river and a garden. Everything is restored to back to how it was, but in a newer, more beautiful way. How many of you guys have been to a symphony before? Yep, some of you very cultured people, right? Oh, you've been to a symphony? (laughs) Awesome. Wow. Yeah, it was the cover of Sesame Street. (laughs) Oh. No, no. No, 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 no. So he lied to all of you and said, I enjoy Nickelback. Awful band. Don't like them. Mm-hmm. I was like, Martin, what was the last concert you've been to? No, no. And it was... No, nothing. It was, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm totally ruining the punchline now. It was Limp Biscuit. It was the Limp Biscuit tour, like in like 2002, early 2000s. Yep. Yep, there you go. This was before he knew Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior. Right? And he said, secular concert. I was like, oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. Got you back, Finally. Give me no more ammo. Uh, <laughs> totally lost where we were going. Where yeah, was I going that? way to stay on topic. Yeah, yeah, way to stay on topic. So the resurrection. Um, yeah. Oh, symphony, music, good. So a symphony, the way a symphony goes, there's multiple movements in this larger musical piece, but there's this theme, this melody that is tied all throughout, and it might be expressed in different ways, but if you listen closely, you can hear that theme throughout the parts. And that's kind of what I'm trying to see in this biblical narrative for you guys, is that as we, as we're in this age of the church where we, we've heard the melody in Genesis and the Old Testament, we've seen Jesus play that melody out, and we know what the final chord sounds like, the physical resurrection. But you and I now, we're not so much classically trained musicians, we're, re, we're, we're reading the sheet music note for note, but we're, we're jazz musicians, We know what the melody sounds like, and we know what the final chord is, but now we are interpreting that melody to play it in this context, in this time, that we're riffing off of one another, that we're listening to the Spirit and playing what does it look like to be part of God's plan in this time and place. But that takes a listening ear, that takes discernment. And now some of you might be going, what does this have to do with anything about me in my day-to-day life? But that's what we want to kind of mm-hmm. discuss now. What does this look like for you and me as we live in the Austin area in 2022? What does it look like to be partners with God in his kingdom? Yeah. You know when you're balding, your scalp sweats when you get anxious? That's what I'm just noticing yeah, after you talk about my Limp Biscuit tour. Um, <laughs> the, uh, what, you, what you do... What, what, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. How this matters is that we are living in a dress rehearsal now for what is to come, which means we're invited into something to point in, towards the future. We are playing jazz music. Um, but what's interesting, I didn't say this in the other two services because this is a little bit extemporaneous, um, but what just kind of occurred to me as I was listening to you is that, that what we do matters now, not only because it's a dress rehearsal for what is to come, 
but in some ways it may affect what is to come. Mm. And what I mean by that is like even when Jesus um, rose from the dead and appeared to the disciples, he still said, you know, you can touch me here. You can feel my nail marks. And I know like one of the mistakes that I make, like, you know, I always think, oh, in the new creation, I'll have six pack abs and I'll be a beautiful, beautiful man and, and uh, all this stuff. And, and, and actually like, you know, maybe not, maybe I need to work out more um, because it's still going to be my body. Like yeah. somehow, you know, it's going to be perfected in some way. Uh, we don't, that's what we don't know. Um, but the, the things that we're doing while we're playing jazz, we still carry into the new creation. Mm-hmm. We're still us. We're still who we are. And, um, and so it matters. And that's why when we gather together as God's people, one of the things we pray every week in the Lord's Prayer is uh, that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. That is, we very much want what is to come to be present now on earth. And even Jesus spoke like this. He's like, it's not just something that's going to be, it's something that is now through you. And, and when we see Jesus interacting with people, you see his kingdom break into reality when he's healing people, when he's speaking words of forgiveness. It changes things. Whatever you forgive on earth is forgiven in heaven. Mm. It affects the new creation. It impacts what will be. And so while we're riffing on this jazz, we, wanna, we riff faithfully because it's what we're called into. And um, this is good news for us because we get to participate as co-heirs with Christ. We are co-heirs with all of creation, as it says in Romans, um, in this new creation. We get to be creative. We get to participate in. And, you know, sometimes we're selfish, and so we're like, you know, what's in it for me? Like, I don't want to be the light. I want someone else to be the light for me. (laughs) Like, I'm tired. Um, My body's broken. Uh, Whatever it is, fill in the blank. Um, But Jesus calls us into this time and time again. He says what we should, uh, to deny ourselves and take up the cross and to follow him. He, he says that we're supposed to love our enemy and turn the other cheek and be faithful in this way. He says we're supposed to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. And that is brave and bold forgiveness beyond comprehension. And we're supposed to care for creation. We're supposed to take care of everything that he has been, that has been given to us, everything that he has created. And, and all these things that Jesus teaches really are is talking about how we're supposed to rehearse yeah. for what will be. And it is our dress rehearsal. And so it can look like a lot of things and it's going to look different for every one of us because we are who we are, and we will be who we are in the new creation. And so, like, I, I won't contribute to the beauty of this world by coming up here. You're a musician. You know how to play the guitar. I do not know how to play the guitar. So if I came up here and said, I'm going to um, give you a glimpse of the new creation by playing the guitar, um, it would actually be like a glimpse of Gehana or hell. Like, it wouldn't be uh, a promise or taste of what is to come. But God has gifted me in different ways. And so I show up in those ways uh, to point to that new creation. And our hope and prayer for you guys is really, how does this affect your day-to-day work? Mm-hmm. Um, a discussion in my house with my lovely wife and I for years has been the struggle. She's like, well, you, you're a pastor. Like, your work is holy. Like, you tell people about Jesus. Like, you literally get paid to do that. And, and, and my pushback has always been, no, like, what you— anyone is called to do is a holy calling from the Lord. And we were just talking about this last night, and, and she's a graphic designer, and she was saying she's finally starting to understand that when she sits down and 
opens up her iPad, the devil's tool, and, and starts designing graphics for the company, she says, like, Lord, guide my hand. Now, is she making images of Jesus and Bible? No, she works for a distillery. <laughs> like, she's, she's helping sell gin and bourbon, right? <laughs> and, but, but she's showing up and being a faithful employee and doing, using the gifts she had. What does it mean? I, when I was walking into the service, I heard two dads talking about potty training. Like, mm-hmm. that's not glorious, but that is them being faithful to what God's called them in that point, is to raise children. That, that really, the, um, if you're familiar with the Reformation, I didn't mention this last time, but what people would like to think is that what changed Europe was that you're saved by grace through faith alone. It wasn't. It was that now everyone is holy and everything they do adds to the kingdom of God. There's a saying that Luther probably didn't say it, but someone comes and says, Pastor, I'm a Christian now. I'm a shoemaker. What should I do? He's like, make really good shoes. <laughs> Don't put little crosses on them or a Bible verse. Just be faithful to what God's called you to do. So our hope and prayer through this is that as we rehearse this, that you guys are released to go be amazing missionaries in whatever God's called you to do. That might be going through Excel spreadsheets this week. Mm-hmm. That might be watching the grandkids. Mm-hmm. That might be staying home and raising a two-year-old. It may look completely different for everyone, but every single calling that is on your life is a holy and sacred thing that God is, is inviting you to participate in. And we were talking about this. Like, I think a lot of your jobs still may exist in some time, way in the new creation. I don't know if ours will. Like, Jesus is there. Like, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know what that's going to look like. But there will still probably be aspects of caring for creation and caring for one another. And it's much bigger and more beautiful than we could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh, what else do you think? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, that's good. Because, and, and, you know, one of the ways I see it showed up, I shared this in the middle service, is like I have one of the most amazing neighbors. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, like he, he takes care of creation, but he also loves me. And so sometimes he'll like mow my lawn or he'll, he'll just do things. And he, he, and he says, I, says, I know you're busy. And I, that, that's what that, that creation, that that promise of new life and resurrection inbreaks into the kingdom when we serve each other in that way, when we bring life, when we take care of what we've been given, when we show up with the gifts that we've been given and be faithful. Now, not everything in this world is going to be part of the new creation. That is true. I don't believe every... I'm not going to list all the careers, but I, do, I don't believe every career is meant for the new creation, maybe even pastors. Um, but there's going to be a lot of things that aren't necessary or should have never been mm-hmm. um, because of the brokenness in this world. And, um, but we get to see and experience for real what God has promised now. Yep. And I think that's beautiful. And remember, this is all rehearsal for the big day. Mm-hmm. And who's the star of the big day? Jesus, not us. So we can't fall into the trick or false thinking of if we just do enough in Jesus' name, he'll return. Right. If we just are good enough, or then we turn to the Pharisees, keep all the laws and Yahweh will return in, in the Messiah. No, if we're just enough, we can usher in the kingdom of God. No, 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 no. The, the scripture story is it's actually going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. We're not, the, we're not the lead, we're the supporting. We're the supporting, and yeah. we're pointing people to... The, we're, we're John the Baptist pointing people to the one mm-hmm. who is coming to make all things new. So our hope and prayer for, our, for the life of Bethany is that you guys are all, that we all are new creation agents in the places he's sending you to. And that can look just waking up each morning saying, Holy Spirit, how can you use me? Mm-hmm. 
How can I faithfully serve you in the job you've called me to and help break forth the kingdom of God in your workplace, in your home, on the neighborhood, on I-35 in Thanksgiving traffic? Mm-hmm. How can you be used by God? So Holy Spirit, I thank you for the brothers and sisters in this place. I pray that you give us each a a beautiful, wild imagination of what it looks like to partner with you as new creation agents. And Lord, we long and we wait, as the scriptures clearly teach, that we groan with all of creation for you to come and make all things new. But till then, may you use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, the church says, Amen. Amen.